give God the praise. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise today. Lord, it does my heart so good, and I know it must do yours good to hear your people sing like the free that we are. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your freedom. Just thank him for just a moment. Thank him for something he set you free from. Thank him for life and for grace and for his goodness. Lord, you are so, so good, eternally good and ever-present God. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm glad that you're here today. Um, We are going to jump into the word of God today. How does that sound? Does that sound good? Good. Um, I'm excited to share with you uh, these messages uh, in a new series that I've developed. And uh, we'll talk about it in just a second. But I want to ask you this question. Do you remember how you felt when you first believed Now, if we were in old school church, I'd walk around and I'd go, why don't you tell everybody how you, but we're not, uh, we're in new school. So I just want you to think internally right now and not be scared. Do you remember how you felt when you first believed, when you first came to him, to Christ and, or rather maybe when Christ found you think about that for just a moment, maybe you were a child in Sunday school. And you heard a message, maybe it was a Bible story, maybe it was a youth event that you were at, uh, maybe it's been quite some time and you're having to dig through piles in your memory bank to get there. Maybe you met Jesus at a camp service or a church service. For me, I was six years old when I first came to understand what God's love was through Jesus and I accepted that in, into my life and it changed me. But there was a marked difference for me later on in my late teenage years when I finally allowed Jesus to become my Lord over every area of my life. See, there's a difference between salvation and lordship. Can I hear an amen? There's a difference between walking an aisle, saying a prayer, and thinking you're good to go, and actually having a daily walk with God. And so in my early days, I remember um, wishing that I had a bad story, a cool bad story that I could tell people about. I was hooked on drugs. I was an alcoholic. I, was the, I, I had wished that, but it's because I grew up in a pastor's home <laughs> and because I grew up in church. And the joke is that you know my mom barely took a Sunday off to go have me. I was born on a Monday morning, uh, and so she was out of church on that Sunday. But um, just that idea in my life was very present, but the reality of it did not set in for years and years. And so I was thinking about that as I started to develop this, these messages that we're going to go over in the next couple weeks. But there are many who claim to be believers today who limit God's lordship or Christ's lordship in their lives. There are many that don't just uh, guard that carefully or limit it. They completely exterminate it or don't allow it in their lives. And I find most often that the problems that we face in a church setting, and thank God right now we don't have any, so I'm not preaching at you, whoever you think you are today. But the problems are based 99% of the time, I would say 100% of the time, but there's always that one fraction that could be 
they are based in this idea that someone involved in the argument, the division, is not truly allowing the Lord to be Lord in their life. They think they're the Lord of their life. So my challenge to you today is to be thinking about this. And don't be a person who refuses Christ's lordship. When you hear that still small voice whisper to you to make that call, to make that apology, to go visit that person, to give to whatever it is, when you hear and feel that and sense that, that's the Holy Spirit and that's God himself trying to exercise his lordship over you. And see, the thing is, is the more that we get we turn that away or turn that off, we get additionally calloused and we build up a callous in that area of our heart so that we don't allow him to have any say in that area of our life. And we shouldn't be like that. So Paul the Apostle tells the Colossian church that they, that they are there to grow in Christ, that they are to grow in him and in their faith. And he warns them about something. He warns them not to be taken captive. We're going to read the passage in just a moment by what he calls empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking. Have you ever heard somebody speak nonsense? How many of you were thinking of an adult in that moment, (laughs) right? It's not just kids going goo goo gaga, which is nonsense, but there are some grown people who speak nonsense. Colossians chapter two, verse six through eight in the new living translation, it says this. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Here's the warning. It shows up in verse eight. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So Paul is saying to these believers in this church, you accepted Christ, now follow him. Allow him to be the Lord of your life and let your roots grow down deep in him. Let your life be built on him, which is a song we just sang in worship, talking about building our lives on that foundation. And I think that's so important. The first century believers needed this encouragement and this warning. And I sincerely believe that that warning for the Colossian church still is valid and good. It has not expired for the 21st century believers today. I sincerely believe that Christ wants us, once we've come to him, to then follow him and allow our roots to grow down deep in him. So we ought to pay attention to this warning. What we believe affects how we behave. If, if I believe the company owes me something, I am likely to take from that company because they haven't put it in my paycheck. So I'll just put it in my whatever gas tank or any, like you just imagine how people can behave in a way that really does affect what they believe. 
I believe that my wife loves me. So I behave toward her. And I believe I love her. You should know that. Um, And that affects the way I behave. There are some times, and I'm thankful for those times, that Amy doesn't say what's on her mind in the middle of a conversation with me because she chooses to behave how she believes. As long as you got it, baby, that's it. But the idea is so prevalent throughout Scripture that what you believe really does affect how you behave. So what you believe about God, what you believe about the character of God, all of those things play into every season of your life. My wife and I went through a tough, difficult season uh, recently, and thank God we're out of it, but there's no guarantee another one isn't on the horizon. And what I believe about God helps me in that season. I was listening to a message to encourage my own spirit this week. And when I listened to that message, the pastor was speaking about Psalm 23 and how you should not buy a mortgage in the valley because that's not your destination. God is going to bring you through it. So we've, if I know that about the character of God, then I have something to hold on to when everything breaks loose and I feel like my world is falling apart. So we must believe and behave. According to the word of God, that's why I will most likely say and have said nearly every time I speak to you, read your Bible. I've even joked and said, if you don't read your Bible this week, don't come back. What's what's the point, right? If you don't read your Bible for yourself to hear from God, that's got to be something that's important to you. And my mission as your pastor is to assist you to let your roots grow down deep into Christ and help you build your life on him. So over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to share a few messages that will help you resist what Paul says in that passage in Colossians, empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense. Because I really think that we should believe and behave according to the word of God. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever heard the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle? This is pure nonsense. The truth is that all of life is more than you can handle. Right? The point of living in a fallen world is not for you to try really hard to make it on your own with your heavy burden. In fact, I'll share the verse later from Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus clearly says these words and I feel them just pulsing in my spirit. Come to me, those who are heavy laden, you're weighed down with burdens and cares and I will give you rest. Jesus is a way maker and he sure is one who can carry our burden. But if we had no troubles or struggles, we wouldn't need a rescuer. That's really what it comes down to is that if we didn't have those hard things to go through and you got to remember this tomorrow when something hard happens. Because you might not be going through it now, but it's so just integral to our life in Christ that we understand that everything is more important than I can handle, but nothing is more than God can handle. And he and I together, he and I together can get through this, but I cannot go it alone. 
Last week I shared a message with the church and I was so excited. We received Ty as a new member into our family. Give her a round of applause. We're so thankful. And I'll use this little plug. The last Sunday of every month, we are now offering Starting Point so you can learn more about who we are, what our history as a church is, and what we believe and how you can get involved in the mission of what God is doing here. But the idea for, for me to share with you today is that with God, you can get through it. And last week's message was about you being together with the body of Christ to get through it or to go through it. So I think these things connect. I want to show you today one of the many examples in scripture where life became more than could be handled. And we're going to look at the life of Joseph from the Old Testament. We're not going to look in the Old Testament. I'm going to share with you the words from Acts chapter 7 where a man named Stephen is recounting. He is remembering the story that he's been told about this man, Joseph, from the Old Testament. And he shares it in a moment where he is before a religious council of priests in Acts chapter 7. Let's read verse 9 through 14. It says this in verse 9, And the patriarchs, that is Joseph's brothers were jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. I want you to stop right there and go to the series title slide, which I did not tell you. I skipped that one line. The name of the series is nonsense. Okay. So just be thinking about the nonsense or the stuff we believe that is nonsense. Verse 10, go back to that. Verse 10 in Acts chapter 7, it says, And rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and all, over all his house. The previous verse talks about the fact that it's God who rescued him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor. Now, Joseph was a wise man. Joseph was hearing from God. He was learning from God. He was being led by God. But in all of his human strength, he couldn't get himself out of jail, which is where he was thrown because he was falsely accused. He couldn't get himself out of slavery because his brothers were jealous of him and threw him into slavery. He couldn't do those things. They were more than he could handle. And somehow I feel like we settle into this idea that if we come to Christ, everything is going to be a-okay, wonderful. Now there's a measure of truth to that because it's my attitude that changes when I face those hard things. But God is a rescuer and he lets us go into things that we need rescue from. So look at what verse 11 says. Now there came a famine throughout all of Egypt and Canaan and great affliction and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. Verse 14, and Joseph sent and summoned Jacob, his father and all his kin 75 people in all. So do you think Joseph was given more than he can handle? The answer is absolutely yes. But I love what verse 9 says 
in that phrase, but God was with him. And I, I want to encourage you, regardless of what you have faced, are facing, or will face in the future, with God with you, you are unstoppable. You can truly get through anything with God's help. It may not turn out the way that you wish. It may not end in the time that you wish. The season may be prolonged longer than you had hoped. But in all of those things, the sovereignty of God, he is so good characteristically, like by nature, he's so good because he loves you and he wants to walk you through the valley. Amen. So life is better when God is with you. I want you to think about a season. Maybe you already have. Think about a season in your life where you were overwhelmed with more than you could handle. Now, that season could have been 10 years ago. It could be 10 minutes uh, before church started. It could, you could be living in it right now. But Stephen, who gives these words in Acts chapter 7 that I just read, he's giving these words, and at the end of his message in front of this council, because they've brought him in because he's part of the new burgeoning church that's coming alive in the New Testament, they bring him in there, and it says that they literally were trembling and shaking with fear because they saw his face, and it looked like the face of an angel. Now, that wasn't just saying he was as handsome as your pastor. That... That is saying that God's radiance, his actual glory, was resting on Stephen. And at the end of him saying, and da 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 all these things about the history so that they would understand where they came from and where they are now, they took him out of the city and they stoned him. Does that seem like more than you can handle? Even Stephen in these moments, in this last moment of his life, is given more than he can handle. But I keep coming back to this because somebody hasn't got it yet. And I'm going to tell you again, you better forgive. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? The last words out of Stephen's mouth, because he knew the truth that Christ had shared about forgiving others and I will be forgiven. He said, dear God, don't hold it against these people. He forgave in that last moment while stones were being piled upon him. And I was just caught by that. And I thought, God, I'm, I'm open to you. If you want to reveal to me this week, you know, as I've developed the message, Lord, is there anybody I need to forgive? And I keep coming back to that because we need that reminder to not hold it in, but to let him have it. Amen. So think about these people and I'll name just a few. Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Elijah, Esther, David, Job, anybody? Paul. In fact, if I'm right, now I've studied the Bible for years and years. I have yet to find a person, a biblical character that we look at in scripture who was, you know, ordained by God to have a job and have a purpose and do something that was great and showed victory in their lives and that sort of thing that wasn't given more than they could handle. I I haven't found a single one yet. So don't believe that nonsense. 
Don't believe that God won't give you or allow in your life more than you can handle because he sure will. He's done it in my life too, but I'm better because of it. And it's, it's hard to say amen to something like that because you're like, I don't want any more of this hardship and these problems and these struggles and these seasons. Neither do I. But with God with us, God will get us through it, whatever it is. So, and I share this message on the upswing of a bad season because I know that God is faithful. I just know he is. I've seen it too many times to be deceived by anything that anyone says because I know that God is good. I know that he loves me, that he walks with me, that he wants the best for me. I know that he wants my life. I know that he wants to be Lord. I know those things and he'll get me through it. So I wanna share with you some things that you should do instead of believing that nonsense. The first thing is this, is realize that life is more than you can handle without God. This is really important. Because it takes a measure of humility. Listen to me, church. It takes a measure of humility and self-awareness to understand that you are not capable of handling it on your own. It really does. That means there's zero, there's like zero space for pride. When we come to Christ, we have to willingly admit that we cannot do this alone. That not only do I need an eternal destination ticket in my hand, and yes, I wanna be with Jesus forever, but by God, I need him in my life every day with my coworkers, with my kids, with my community, with every single aspect. Number two is this, turn to God and trust him. God, why are you doing this? God, why me? I deserve better. Lord, why haven't I finished this season yet? We've all said those things. We've all said those things. But the thing is, when I wrote this, this, this uh, point, turn to God, it's a present tense. Turn to God. That's turned to God in this moment. I'm depressed and I don't see a way out of this. I am in debt and I don't see a way out of this. My marriage is on the rocks and I don't see a way. Turn to God and trust him. Not just once at an altar when you were a kid at a camp service or even as an adult, maybe a friend shared the gospel with you and you turned to Christ. But not only then, but now we must turn to him and trust him. Uh, my wife came back from her retreat, and if you know me, you know I have trust issues. It's taken me about three years with my barber to just sit in the chair and not say anything. Like, he knows he knows me, and if he's sick, I'm not getting anybody else. Like, I, he knows what I want, and I, you know, I tr- trust, okay? It's just hard. Every once in a while, it rears its ugly head, and you're like, what does it have to do with this message? My wife came last night. She came home and from the retreat and she had a special treat. Well, they, those treats, weirdly, were put into a coffee cup, like a to-go coffee cup, but it was not a liquid. And I saw them on the table and she said, and she said, honey, close your eyes and open your mouth. I want to give you something. 
and I'm cooking chili and I, I have trust issues. Like I'm cooking chili. I've drank something from Sonic. It's like a fruity cranberry limeade. And I, and I'm like, I don't want whatever's in that cup. I don't want to close my eyes. So she fought with me for just 60 seconds or so, maybe a little longer. And then I opened, I closed my eyes and opened my mouth. And it was this amazing strawberry little cookie, these little mini cookies, uh, like really cakey and delicious. But I say that to say, I'm just like you. Do you struggle with trust? I can tell you about my barber. I can tell you about my wife. I struggle to trust God myself. Because if we struggle to trust people, then yeah, we definitely still have that same sort of idea in our head when it comes to trusting God. So how do I learn to trust him? How how do I learn to do that? There's two ways to do that. Spend time with him in prayer and in reading his word. Because I can see the testimony of the lives of those who trusted him. I love what the psalmist says. Some trust in horses and chariots and armies, but I choose to trust in the Lord my God. We've got to tell ourselves that that's nonsense, whatever that is. And we've got to tell ourselves that I do believe that God will carry me through. I do believe that he loves me. I know that I'm not worthy and I know that he loves me anyway. We've got to get ourselves to the place where we are trusting him. The third thing is this, share your story with others. I get an awesome opportunity to share stories with you because you keep coming back and I keep standing up here and we keep doing this and this is great, but I get a chance to share my story in this way, but this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about share your story of how God was faithful to you or what he's done for you when you're with a coworker. When you're talking to somebody, a family member that calls, that's an extended family member you don't get to see very often, choose to share the story of how God has walked with you, even though you've been living in a place where you've been given more than you can handle. Because it builds our faith. Someone shared their story with you, whether it was from a stage or whether it was next to you in a seat, in a car or wherever it is. And that's something that led you to the place to believe that he is who he says he is and he always keeps his promise. So that's what we have to keep the momentum of and do in the lives of those around us. I want to read to you two passages before we finish. Second Corinthians chapter one. Verse 8 through 11. I'm going to share with you something that Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says this in verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Paul, the apostle, the leader, one of the indispensable people in the history of the church was saying this to other believers. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we didn't even want to live any longer. You say, well, that's not the part we read, pastor. We read the part that says, God will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. But how do we get to joy unspeakable and full of glory unless we experience some of the affliction 
and the suffering and those things. So having, having a right perspective about this life is so important. That way you don't believe the nonsense. Look at what verse 9 says. It says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. He, he questioned, was, am I doing this right? I mean, we're, we're at the point where I'd rather die. But it says this, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So even if I'm dead, he's going to raise me back to life. I know it. That's what Paul is saying in this place. So he says, he goes on to say, verse 10, and I love it. He says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. That is good. You need to know that and believe that. Characteristically, God didn't just act. He still acts. Amen? And that he does deliver. He is a way maker. It says this, on him we've set our hope that he will deliver us again. Verse 11, you also must help us by prayer. So he's telling the church, please pray for us. My God, we're like at the, we, we're at the end of our rope thinking that all is lost. So please commit to praying. And I think to myself, there's another image of the body of Christ. When we're going through something individually, collectively, we're going through something. Where we go one, we go all. So when someone in our body is hurting, we then hurt with them. We grieve with them. And when somebody rejoices, we rejoice with them. And if somebody needs prayer, we all pray for them. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. These are the words of Jesus. He says this, Come to me, all you who, are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a promise from Christ himself. That if we would come to him when we are weighed down, which is every day since birth, when we are heavy laden and he will give us rest. Verse 29, he says, take my yoke or my burden on you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This great exchange that Jesus is referring to, where I take all of my junk and pile it on him, and he gives me a little little burden in return for that, that's important for you and I to realize Jesus' words are eternal. They existed then, but they exist now as well, that if we were to be burdened down, and we feel like our yoke is breaking our back and maybe we're despairing of life itself that we can go to the Father through the Son by the help of the Holy Spirit and receive grace in the time of need. Amen? Stand with me today. I want you to remember this. Remember that you'll be allowed to go through situations and seasons that are more than you can handle. Because like I said, if we had no troubles and no struggles, we would not need a rescuer. But we do, and we do. We do go through those things, and we do need a rescuer. You and I have a living hope, the Bible says. And our hope has a name. His name is Jesus. 
I want to ask you today, if you'd close your eyes in this moment, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, this sounds good. I haven't let the Lord be the Lord of my life. Or maybe I've never chosen to believe in him and give him my heart and my life. I want to do that today with every eye closed. Just raise your hand right now and just declare and say, I want to do this and take this step. If that's you, if there's anyone here that wants to do that. The question further is, is if you have been going through something difficult in your life, then you need to allow him to speak peace into the midst of your storm to help you in your time of trouble. The psalmist declares that he is a very present help in a time of trouble. He's not absent. He's not deaf. He's not blind. And you've got to believe that. You've got to know that to be true. Lord, my prayer for your people today is that you would help us to let our roots grow down deep in you that we wouldn't believe the nonsense that people talk about, the stupid idioms and things that people say that they believe, whether it's about you or about Christianity. God, I pray today that you'd help us to live in the truth, be grounded in the truth. And Lord, I pray that these believers this week would study your word and spend time in prayer. God, you're the God of breakthrough. We believe it today and we stand on that truth. We know that we are given more than we can handle, but praise God, your son was sent to give us that great exchange. Lord, take the burdens that are bearing each one and every one of us down. And Lord, help us today to come to that place where we can give that burden to you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you're a burden bearer. Hallelujah. Church, I want you to look at me for just a second. I want to give you a warning that if you truly trust him and you give him your burden, you don't have permission to go and take it back from him. So you really, truly, when it comes back into your mind and you feel that overwhelming sense and that stress and that depression and that issue and it's just so overwhelming, you can't, then in that moment, that's a moment for you to turn and say, Lord, it's yours. I've already given it to you. God, I declare it today in the mighty name of Jesus. That's how, that's how we should behave as believers. Let's sing this last song as a prayer for each one of us. Oh, what a Savior. Sing it out, church. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before.